Wow, it's really a treat. And thank you for your kindness. Um, Glenn asked me to, uh, to speak on the armour of God today. And I, I just think it's so appropriate um, to have heard what uh, has already been said. By reason of introduction, I want to talk to you a little bit about Ephesians. The book of Ephesians was written in 62 to 64 CE, around about right at the start or of the Great Tribulation that Jesus prophesied would happen. And um, when he wrote Ephesians, he starts off in with... One, chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, where he talks about the original intention of God was to have sons and daughters. And then he talks in, one, in chapter 1, verse 18 about, and I pray that the eyes of your heart might be open to the inheritance of the saints. I think something like that. So he starts talking, starts with sonship, then he talks about inheritance then he says what the purpose of the church is, and that is to display to principalities and powers what the manifest wisdom of God is. That is actually your, your purpose. So when we get to Ephesians chapter 6, he is not talking about defense. When he talks about the armor of God, he's not talking about, oh, look, you've got truth around you, and you've, you've, you've got, you're saved, and, you know, your heart's right with God, and, oh, and your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace, and, and you've got a shield because of the, the fiery darts of, of the enemy. That's not what it's about. It's about us rising up as mighty men and women of God, whether you are four years of age today or whether you are 90 years of age today. You see, the gates of hell don't move. They are stationary. And the armor of God is not to protect you while you stay at home. That is very effective there. But the army of God is for you to plunder the gates of hell. To take what is in hell and make it the kingdom of God. So, Christine and I run a ministry that was birthed in, I don't know, sometime. We, in the last, since the last time that I've preached, which is about four months, five months ago, well, let's go back a year. A year ago, we were, had 10 ministry schools. We now have 31 ministry schools. 
a year ago we were training 1,400 pastors. Now we're, claiming, well, we're pro, uh, training over 3,000 pastors. In the last two months, we have moved, we have started 10 ministry schools in Pakistan. And we have just a fortnight ago taken on a ministry school in Myanmar of 180 students. So, but how did that start? It started on the day when I was born again and then water baptized, which is where you get your main authority from, and baptized in the Holy Ghost, 1984. Baptized in water, 1983. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, 1984, which is where you get the power from. But we started off with just having a home group, saying, putting my hand up and says, I'll, I'll, I'll take a home group. Anthony and Jenny, I'll take a home group. And then going to Bible school. And then going on mission trips north of 40 mission trips now, short-term mission trips, and starting to just preach to small churches of 15. And then a few years later, 2,000. And then two years later, 5,000. And then going into the wilderness. Well, God prepares me. Wherever you are today, the armor of God is what will take you to your next place. There is no end of possibility in accordance with the call of God upon your life on what you can do for God. So let's get started. All righty. Taking your land. Let's go to the next one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Well, let's look at that in terms of what the Greek actually says. Finally, brethren, be empowered, which is what the word power means. Be empowered in the Lord and the forcefulness of his strength. So inside each one of you, if you are baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit, let me just take a step back just in case you don't realize, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. When you are born again, Jesus comes inside of you. When you are born again, the Father comes inside of you. When you are baptized in water, when you are born again, you have authority to be a son and daughter of God. When you are baptized in water, you receive the authority to do that which is the Father's kingdom work. That's what happened to Jesus. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. That's you. When you were water baptized, God looked down and said, hey, whoa, this is my John, and I'm so pleased with him. This is my Deb, and I'm so pleased with her. That's my daughter. That's my son. I give you the authority of the kingdom. 
And then when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you receive that kind of power that you see behind you. Be empowered by the kingdom forcefulness of his strength. It's really interesting that the main word that is used in the Greek for power, dunamos, is actually force. For those of you who are physicists and all those of you who are teachers, you'll remember force equals mass times acceleration. You saw there Jesus is looking for somebody because a woman has touched the hem of, her garment, of his garment and something has happened. Jesus felt mass or felt power leave him and go into her because the woman with the issue of blood was instantly healed. I remember in Arnhem Land we were holding a funeral and this uh, this uh, with the Yongle people, and this uh, this uh, people used to come around from the world. They'd fly in their business jets to go and get uh, a special occultic ceremony. Well, this lady came into the community because she wanted to have an occultic ceremony to be healed. She turned up at this prayer meeting and I was preaching or this, this funeral and I was preaching at the funeral and I was just talking about Jesus. I didn't say anything about that scripture but all of a sudden her countenance changed and so one of the young women goes up to her and says, are you okay, dear? And she says, I think I've just been healed. She had been bleeding for 20 years. I did not talk about that scripture. I did not lay hands on her, but she encountered Jesus Christ. And the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost shifts things. Because force equals mass. And what is mass? Mass is weight and weight is glory. So when the power of God comes into your life, and for some of you that will be today, as you're facing spirits of bondage unto fear, as the power of God comes into your life, then the glory gets shifted from God into you. And the, the power of God takes you from glory to glory. God wants you to come up from the current level of glory into another level of glory. If you are in bondage to debt, then God wants by the power of the Spirit to shift something so that you are not in debt. If you're in sickness, God wants to shift something from one lower level of glory to another level of glory, which is walking in healing or shifting from healing to divine health. I'm getting ahead of myself. Hallelujah. All right. You should have the timer on. How many minutes have I been preaching for? All right. Okay, Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. And that is your helmet, your breastplate, your greaves, your shield, and your sword and lance, as it shows in the next slide. All right. 
my wife said to me, you're not to, not to embarrass me today, so I'm embarrassing myself, all right? There we go. All right, moving on, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realm. So you're not fighting against, against flesh and blood. You are fighting against principalities and powers and forces of wickedness. See, one of the ways that the devil does this is he either has one or two extremes. It is either one extreme of don't believe in the devil and don't believe in principalities and powers, or it is the other extreme of everything's about the devil. Remember what I shared about the purpose of the church. To expose, to reveal to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. In other words, and how do we do it? The following verses says, through confidence, faith, and boldness. That as you step out in boldness and as you step out in faith and as you step out in confidence in God, then those demons of fear will run away from you. You see, Romans chapter 8 teaches us that we are led by the Spirit of God if we are sons and daughters of God. And then it goes on and it says, For we do, we do not give in to the spirit of bondage unto fear. For He has not given us the spirit of bondage unto fear, but He has given us the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Let's move on. We'll get back to that in a minute. Withstanding... Therefore, take up the whole panoply of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. But I want you to understand, as I said before, Ephesians was written in 62 to 64 CE, just as the persecution of Nero, as Jesus prophesied would happen, happened. Between the time when Jesus prophesied would happen and 70 CE, round about 1.8 million Jews had been killed, just as Jesus prophesied. So we are not necessarily in that kind of evil day, but you may be experiencing times of difficulty where you still need to use the weaponry and the armor that God has given you. Ephesians 6 verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Now, I went and got my chainsaw gear, but I knew that I'd run out of time if I started putting on all of my gear. But the first thing which you put on when you're doing chainsawing is you put on your belt. And that belt has leggings that go down and they give you protection. They've got Kevlar, so if you do bounce off, you're not going to cut yourself. Next, John 15, verse 7 to 8. One of the things that we are involved in in the ministry is uh, that we are involved in theology. See, Jesus said this, if you want to have anything, you ask and you'll receive it. He did say that. It's a bit like he said, I am the law. They never, I am the law of Moses. Although he never said that. But what he did say, what Paul said was when he died on the cross, the law of Moses died with him on that cross. 
Colossians 2 verse 14. Okay? So, if you abide in me, you'll get whatever you want. Well, that's really important because we need to abide in Jesus Christ. We actually need to have that kind of personal relationship. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with the Father. And it's a relationship with the Holy Ghost. There is fellowship in the gospel. There is fellowship in the, the Holy Spirit. There is fellowship in the Son. There is fellowship in the suffering. And what we're talking about today is the fellowship of the mystery of His will. So we need to abide in Jesus Christ. But the Word of God must also abide in us. It actually needs to... See, Jesus, the Word of God, became flesh. So the Word of God needs to become flesh inside of us. We've got to love the Word of God. I love Pentecost. I love the power of the Spirit of God. I love miracles. I love healings. But we've also got to love the Word of God. John was the one who lay on the breast of Jesus Christ. But he was the leading theologian that spoke against the main apostasy that Jesus prophesied, which was Gnosticism, that Jesus never came, God never came in the flesh. One third of Christianity fell away. John was the one who, who uh, did all of the teaching against Gnosticism to fight against the great apostasy of the time. So we need to have the Word of God abiding inside of us if we want to receive whatever we desire. But the final criteria is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, that's what God's after. He wants to see fruit. Now, why do I do what I do? Why do I spend 40 hours operating on animals and then do another 40 hours teaching? Because I'm looking for my heaven's reward. I love what I'm doing. I love, what, you know, I really enjoy it. I enjoy seeing people's lives being changed. But that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for my reward in heaven. I, you know, I'm on my mansion. <laughs> All right, let's carry on. The next thing that we put on is our righteousness. You see, when you were born again, having put on the righteousness of the breastplate of righteousness, that when you were born again, you received the righteousness of God. You did. You've actually, you see, covenant is two-way. For those of us who, who are married, we exchange vows, right? See, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, what happens is that there is a covenant between husband and wife. And you exchange vows. It's the same with God. When, you make, when God makes a covenant with you, you give Him your sins. He gives you his righteousness. That's called the great exchange. And man, it is a great exchange. Your sins are forgotten. They're forgiven and they're forgotten no more uh, and remembered no more is what that, that covenant scripture says. You are the righteousness of God. 
You have right standing with God, and you have right fellowship with God. Not just right standing, you also have right fellowship with God. And it comes through one thing, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Next, and having shod your feet with the, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We've already talked about that. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Say to your neighbor, to your neighbor, whatever you bind, um, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It is truth. Jesus said it. It is one of those belts that will hold up the protection of your strongest part of you, your thigh, that which you run with against the forces of darkness. The definition of righteousness is those who act righteously. The shield of faith, the fiery darts of the enemy. For those of you who are watching stuff on about the, the, um, the war in Ukraine, You'll notice one thing. The Ukrainians are running to catch up against the enemy. You see, when we get into a, the lies of the enemy that says that he is bigger than us and that we need to be really scared of him, we start to do the process of putting out fires. That's not what God has for you, and that's not what the purpose of your faith is. The purpose of your faith is that you are forcefully advancing against the forces of darkness. In those days, what it used to be is that you had an armor bearer, somebody else who would carry that shield for you. And then as you were, as you were fighting and advancing, they would be watching for the fiery darts of the enemy and put the shield of faith up. It's an aggressive type of armor. And then finally, you've got the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. The Word of God is not just about truth. It is about possessing the promises that God has given you. Young people, what is it that you desire to do for the kingdom of God in the natural what job do you want what job do you desire what is it that you desire to have that can be used effectively for the purpose of the kingdom of God there is a really good video out them at the moment by Kirk Franklin you can look at it called Maverick City it's called bless me in July of this year in America they had the largest Christian meeting ever in America, 1,300 prisoners gathered together to worship God. Bless me, bless me, etc., etc. I won't sing the rest of it because I've forgotten the words. But it is awesome. 
When you see all these prisoners, these great big burly guys, and they come in and they're sour at the start. There's this old guy, white fella, like me, and he's kind of, bless me, bless me. By the end of it, it's, bless me, bless me, that I might bless others is what it's about. It's not about us, it's about others. Don't worry about putting out fires. Get aggressive in the Spirit of God and in the Word of God, using the weapons of your warfare against the forces of darkness. Whatever it is, whether it is because you want to uh, advance in some area of ministry or whether it is in the natural of business, be aggressive in the prayer place using wisdom, boldness, confidence, and faith. Now, this is the point of where I want to get to today. Salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. Now, because we tend to use the word salvation for when we are born again, in our mind, we run the risk of thinking, oh, I'm born again, I'm saved, hallelujah, that's all it's about. But salvation does not start at the cross. Salvation starts at resurrection. That's Romans chapter 10, about verse 15. Okay, So salvation starts at your resurrection experience when you come up out of that new, new covenant and you enter into righteousness. And when you enter into righteousness, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you are born again. And from that point, you are saved. You are in the process of, tra of transformation because of salvation. So I got some really bad news this week. And it really upset me. And I had to make a choice of who I was going to listen to. I was going to listen to my fears or I was going to listen to God and the promises of God that He has given to me personally and the promises of God that He has given to me in the Word of God. You see, the helmet of salvation is based on one thing, and that is God is your daddy. That's it. God is your daddy. And He will turn everything around for good. So whatever you are facing, whether it is um, cancer or whether it is sickness of some other sort or whether it's pain or whether it's financial difficulty or whether it's broken relationships, then the helmet of salvation is the protection that you have in your mind that says it will always work out for good. Why? Because my daddy God is a good God and he will look after me and he has promised he will never leave me nor forsake me and he has promised that he will provide for me and he will promise that, he will, that I will be healed or I will, I will receive whatever it is. He will deliver you. Salvation, the interpretation, the correct interpretation of salvation is not being born again. Salvation is simply He will deliver you and He will rescue you. Part of that is being born again and being, has been, your sins being forgotten and receiving the righteousness of God and being the son and daughter of God and having eternal life.
All right. I'm going to open up the altar. Because I think what we've heard through the music and through Debbie and through the prophetic word in the prayer meeting is that God wants to take some of the devil's territory off your life. Who touched me? Who touched me? That's what Jesus is saying. Who touched me? Who touched me with faith, wisdom, boldness and confidence this morning? There is grace and there is the forcefulness of His strength to destroy works of bondage that are holding you back from what your, what your destiny is. I would never have dreamed, if you'd asked me 20 years ago what I'm doing now, I would never have dreamed how good it could be. In regard to, it doesn't mean that there's been, you know, the reason why I looked and talked to her about what's happened the last year was because I was getting discouraged. Just this final testimony. I did a, a leadership conference this weekend. There were about, I don't know, first day there was probably three or four hundred. The second day there was 700. And the third day there was 300. And I thought, well, that one didn't go well, did it? And so I thought, well, I'm not going to bother next year with doing a conference with, with them. You know, obviously my preaching wasn't that good. And so I, I asked the organizer, I said the following day, I said, what actually, you know, why were there so few people? And he says, oh, a miracle happened. He said, after all those people been born again, because there were people who got born again, and after all those people who got healed and delivered, rain fell. Because in that area, Uganda at the moment has had no rain for quite a while. But in that one area, rain fell. These people are starving and rain fell. You see, I could not afford to feed them. <laughs> he does. He's a miracle working God. We've got, we're nearly finished the building that you've paid for. It's around about two thirds the size of this room here. It will house 220 pastors. You know how much it cost? $4,000. Dominion. That's why you've got your weaponry. That's why you've got your armor. And if you want something shifted, there is a ministry team here who's going to help you shift it in the spirit realm. There is some force of the Spirit of God that will come from heaven into your life and shift things. Debt. It'll shift things. Sickness. It'll shift things. You heard this morning as we sang about Jesus come and touch my family. He will shift things because force of God comes in and moves something from one place to another place. Let God do that for you this week. Amen.